Hello, fellow planeswalker, and welcome to Into the Ether Vortex. My name is Ninja Boy, your guide in all the different ways you can enjoy Magic the Gathering, and how they all come together into something wild, wacky, and a little bit magical. Whoever is doing well out there, I know things are going okay for me. Uh, while I am taking a break from Limited, as I mentioned last episode, since Alchemy Baldur's Gate really isn't my thing, I'm still grinding every day on the Explorer Best of One queues. Um, I actually was able to get to Mythic for July, uh, going mostly mono at aggro with a touch of Angel Company. Um, you know, just stockpiling my gold for Dominaria United for next month. I've also made a lot of progress on cleaning up and sorting out my collection. You know, not quite done yet. I don't think anyone ever is, but I'm starting to make some my headway through my commons and uncommon bulk, and you know, pulling out the valuable stuff and and sorting them the folders while also leaving the bulk uh, for one of my friends who collects all the bulk uh, to 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 take. Um, so, for instance, you know, I got a binder now full of EDH staples. You know, Swift boots, cultivates, feed the swarms, and various other commons and uncommons. I have multiples of that have decent value. Um, I also have another binder with common and common utility lands like bazooka bogs myriad landscapes and so many evolving wilds and also like you know signets and, and bounce lands so i think the next step will be to go through my bulk rares and figure out a binder system for the valuable ones to put in the trade binder and what to do with the actual bulk rares uh, in addition to all that, I've also put out some orders for my new ED8 stacks. You know, I mentioned last week I had a, or last time I had a bunch of deck ideas in mind. I ended up, you know, this month going with two uh, Esper Party Dungeons, which I was already like uh, most, like it was very cheap, like $30. And I was already had a significant number, you know, going through the bulk, um, found a number of the commons and uncommons that, that cared about the dungeons and party stuff. So um, I only needed to get a couple other commons and uncommons, a couple of rares who I didn't have, um, you know, so that was pretty, pretty affordable. I mean, I also went for Sultai, in fact, you know, I went through my color challenge and, you know, Sultai was a color pair I hadn't yet done. Um, I'm aiming for this to be a little bit higher power level now that I've powered down my Yuriko deck. Um, you know, uh, I was thinking maybe green, black elves also because of the color challenge, um, but with Allosaurus separate still being uh, pretty expensive and um, also one of the cards I wanted to put in coming from a game night uh, product coming out in uh, October, I think I'm, I'm going to put a pin on that for, for a while. Uh, instead, um, you know, I, I went back to the aforementioned Yuriko deck and actually went ahead uh, and bought the basic lands from uh, Neon Dynasty Kamigawa uh, to pimp out the basic lands there. So, uh, you know, that was a pretty penny, but, you know, Yuriko is one of my babies, so you got, got to treat it well. Um, but yeah, I haven't yet built them quite yet. The envelopes will be, you know, coming in. Instead of the uh, one envelope from TCG Player, I ended up going with uh, the multiple envelopes just because it was significant, like 20 to 30 bucks cheaper uh, versus doing it all at once. Um, so those will be coming in, you know, little little Christmas packages in the mail, you know, every day or so till I get them all in. So um, in any case, uh, this week is a little bit more of a, of a two-topic episode. You know, uh, first off, I, I did participate in my store's, uh, store championship event, so I want to recap that experience real quick. Um, and then I'll talk about the main topic, which is, uh, you know, uh, what I call my multi-format modular burn deck or burn box. Uh, so first off, the store championship. You know, while I was pretty much mentally done with Streets of New Capenna, um, I did return to the streets one more time to vie for the, the promos at my uh, old LGS uh, Monarchy Comics in Midtown New York. Now, for this store championship, you know, there ended up being nine people participating. So number one goal, don't be one of the, that one person who does not get the top eight promo. Uh, fortunately, I was able to, to get that goal, but, you know, uh, it was not quite as easy as I would have hoped. You know, I did not, unfortunately, open a busted broker 
Chris Paul. Uh, instead, I ended up going with a base red black rivet here stack, a lot of blitzing cards, and a, a splash of green for Unleash the Inferno, as well as the spicy wombo combo of Stimulus Package and Bootlegger Stats. Uh, for those who need refreshing, a Stimulus Package is a four mana enchantment that gives you two treasures, but also you can stack treasures at instant speed to create a 1 1 citizen token. Uh, meanwhile, Bootlegger Stats is a mythic rare that's an six mana artifact that simply lets your lands all tap to create uh, tokens or uh, treasure tokens. So the wombo combo here is that, you know, every turn you basically create as many treasures as you have lands, um, and then eventually you overwhelm your opponent by turning them into, into creatures. Um, you know, the other big draw into the color uh, identity of red, black, were uh, two mayhem patrols, uh, a strangle, a plasma jockey, and a girder goons. Unfortunately, I didn't really have any to build uh, around uncommons like body dropper. Um, the witty ro roast master, you know, the one that deals damage whenever a creature enters the battlefield, uh, was pretty clutch with the uh, bootlegger, uh, the bootlegger stat stimulus package combo. So it was four rounds. The first match, you know, I, pa I was paired against somebody who was playing a very aggressive, you know, not in the gameplay sense, but in terms of mana base, uh, River Tears Jack, uh, which splashing for the four mana double blue pip Kraken. Admittedly, it's a very good card, could end games, but conventional sense would say that a double blue splash uh, in this set would not really work out. However, he did somehow indeed make it work. Um, if I recall, I was actually in the first game, I got the stimulus bootlegger combo up and running, but unfortunately, all his flyers kind of just went over my citizen token. Um, and and I didn't get the win, um, but couldn't close it out. Um, so I did get the win in game two, break it to go to game three, but unfortunately fell short in game three. So when uh, first game was a lot, first match was a loss. Uh, match two, I ended up playing an obscure deck led by Rafine, going a two and zero. Generally, you know, as you'd expect for red black, the way to win is to go under them. Um, and you know, I kind of blitzed my way to victory here, um, kind of out card advantage their own card advantage engine. Um, and then match three was also against another Esper Rafine deck. Um, this one I went two and one against. Then my final fourth match, I ended up against a Naya deck, which unfortunately my opponent stumbled on their mana, which was enough for me to get get going and get grab a two zero win. Um, I don't exactly remember how it was, but I also think I remember getting the combo here as well. Um, you know, so ultimately my record was three and one. Now it turns out the top four of us actually ended all ended up with three and one. Um, that said, you know, due to tiebreakers, you know, figuring out the strength of the people you ended up playing against, um, you know, because I was sent to the losers bracket relatively early, um, I ended up, you know, with a fourth place out of it. So not too bad if I say so myself. You know, I think you know with that small number of people uh, getting into the top half, I think was definitely something I was aiming for. Now that said, what I liked most about this event, more so than even playing and winning, you know, was just. Being able to get and play paper again with folks, um, in particular, you know, uh, when we finished our rounds, because you know, because I was playing an aggressive deck, tended to finish fairly early. I always had time to check, like, hey, you have trade. You know, I had put together. I didn't quite had gone around to fixing my trade binder yet, but I still had a uh, one that was set up from before the pandemic, and you know, I was able to make, get some good trades. I traded uh, a force of negation that I had had for a bunch of stuff for some commander decks, uh, particularly the enchantment stuff uh, for my Kestia deck. Um, and then you know, after the last game, you know, the, the guy had actually he actually was a EDH player normally, but because of the store championship, EDH was canceled for that day, so he figured he might as well play to, you know, get some mats again. Um, I happened to have my uh, God Tribal EDH deck, which was the only one that had been updated at that point with all the cards I was ordering to update my decks. Um, so we, we got a game, and there was also someone else who also played. Um, so, you know, my opponent was playing his uh, his blue-black uh, Tasha with the Witch uh, Steal Your Stuff deck, um, and then the other person was playing Sultai uh, Food Chain. Um, meanwhile, here I am just, you know, slowly putting out my lands and getting eventually the five mana to cast the Prismatic Bridge and then flip into a, a, a god creature, basically. So, um, you know, 
definitely a different power level, but I mean, it was the only deck I had, and hey, it was better than, than nothing at all. So, um, you know, definitely looking forward to playing some more again soon. Um, so yeah, so that brings me to my next topic. So, you know, I was actually scheduled this past weekend um, to play in the R the Regional Champions of Qualifier, the RCQ, at another store in the area, uh, Wex and Co Hex & Co West. Um, now, the format was going to be Pioneer. I actually had a Pioneer deck ready. Um, unfortunately, due to my dog actually getting into a bit of a health scare, I had to ask for a refund. But luckily, you know, they will be hosting another RCQ in September in Limited, uh, which I prefer Limited over uh, Constructed anyway. Um, that being said, in anticipation of the Pioneer RCQ, I ended up putting together a Mono Red Burn list. But this isn't your particular stock list for a specific reason. Um, now, if you've listened to the podcast before, while I do talk about EDH and Limited, mostly, you will know that I do dabble in Constructed from time to time, and when I do, I tend to favor more aggressive, somewhat combo decks, right? Like, you know, some people have described Burn as basically being a combo of putting together seven spells that deal three damage each. Um, I mean, I mentioned before at the start of the episode how I pl was and mostly playing Mono Red for my Explorer deck uh, in the queues, and, you know, I even when I switched to Angel Company, I tend to play it in a much more aggressive manner, basically. Um, and, you know, I was just getting frustrated as a Mono Red player uh, playing against uh, the life gain deck. So, um, in any case, the first uh, now you know, looking back to my own Magic playing history, the first constructed event I ever played in Magic that was at a competitive REL, where you're not just like FNM or whatever, uh, was at the Modern PTQ hosted by Monacy pre-pandemic. Right? Um, I just wanted to get the Arcbound Ravager, uh, the Arcbound Ravager uh, Plomer card that they had. Now, I know Burn is definitely considered one of the cheaper decks to get into the format, but at the time, you know, even I was was hesitant to sell out for Goblin Guides. Um, you know, I had some Eidolons uh, in a bulk box, which is why I didn't have to spend too much. I, I think I had to buy like maybe one or two copies, but um, yeah, I didn't have the Goblin Guides yet. And, you know, for the Boros build, which is kind of like the standard modern burden build, um, you know, that would require fetches and Socklands, which I didn't quite have. So, you know, I actually ended up going with a bit of a mono-red uh, build that was a little bit rogue. It was a bit of a discard sub-theme. Uh, I played, you know, Flames of Keld, uh, Fiery Tempers, Bomat Couriers, and, you know, at the time, Faith, I was test. I started testing by going to um, the modern Wednesday nights at Monacy to test see what the, the local metagame was like. But halfway through my testing, and this was during Hogak period, um, they ended up banning Faithless Looting because it was enabling these decks too much. And so, yeah, I was totally playing it fair, but they ended up uh, banning it. So I had to, you know, scrap a lot of my, my planning here. So in the end, I ended up getting completely steamrolled by most of my opponents. But hey, I still got my participation FOMO, uh, and it was good fun, you know, a very eye opening experience. So, uh, you know, this kind of highlights what I think is best about Burn as an archetype. Uh, one, you know, it is, you know, again, others have talked about it in, in more in depth, but I really enjoy, like, the aggressive nature of it. And every decision means a little bit more, right? Every decision uh, has so much more value. And sure, you don't make as many decisions, but the fact that there are fewer means that each one is that more, much more important, right? If someone's saying, oh, Burn is just a brain-dead uh you know, brain dead uh, play style. Uh, not really, because you have to really consider, like, yeah, sir, some things are fa fairly self evident, but when there are decision trees you have to make, each decision is, has that much more impact. Um, and then kind of outside of the game, right, you know, one of the biggest things is that, hey, it's kind of the fun police, right? It Well, well within the format, it, it's kind of the fun police, right? Uh, some of the crazier stuff, if you can really get a good burn start going, nothing can really stop it, right? Um, now, outside of the game, outside of the game itself, one of the biggest strengths is that it's really easy to get into, right? Myself, who didn't have the budget to get into a really expensive modern deck, um, you know, Mono Red having a cheap, especially Mono Red, the Mono Red versions, not having to spend a lot on uh, fetches or socks as it goes along 
long way uh, to making it valuable. And, you know, a decent number of burn cards are at one point common or uncommon, right? Um, so, you know, a modern burn deck and, and, and a modern red burn deck in many formats, you know, maybe $200 in Pioneer or... or um, or modern or even legacy. Um, and maybe if you're, you know, in, in paying pop, you might even get $60, right? Um, and, you know, legacy has example for $4,000 decks, right? So um, now, you know, so it's really easy to get into and a good starting point, even though if you want to play another deck later, once you've got it familiar with the metagame, uh, it'll, that'll cost you more. Now, however, you know, once you do get into one burn deck, I kind of realized looking at the list, like when I was putting together the list for um, the Pioneer and RCQ, like, hey, I have a lot of the same cards already because of the uh, of the modern deck I happen to have. So, you know what what other overlaps are there between decks? Um, and you know it you know it a lot of them carry over, right? Um, Idolon of the Great Ravel is played out of three out of the four fam- formats I mentioned. Uh, Monetary Swift Spear recently got a reprint at a common for Double Masters, and so now it's legal in all four in all four formats. Um, Spell-wise, you know, you have Skewer the Critics uh, played in every format, um, Smath the Smithereens in the sideboard, Lava Spike, Lightning Bolt, Rift Bolt, Exquisite Firecraft, Roiling Vortex, all of our at least in at least three of these formats in some quantity, right? Um, so, you know, keeping this in mind, right, you have Burn, which in, for any single deck is already pretty cheap, $200, right? Could what are the well? I, it's kind of like an optimization question of like what is the minimum number of cards you need to be able to play burn in any format? And you know, sir, if you wanted to strictly go with the the pure stock list, that you could get that number. But you know, maybe if you make concessions for maybe power level or consistency, and you know, maybe you put you just go with a list that is uh you know what if, if the opt- if the optimizing factor is uh, number of cards and also cost of cards, um, what could you, how how far down could you get that number right? Um, you know, obviously the ideal situation would be you know having seventy five cards that are legal in every format, but that's realistically speaking not going to be the case. So you know. Obviously, by the title, by this episode, you kind of have an idea that I have figured out what that number is, or a number is, right? My modular burn deck uh, currently has 142 cards. Total cost, about $336, right? If you were to buy each of these decks individually, uh, Legacy would be about, be about $250, Modern would be $256, Pioneer about $150, and then Popper about $67. Um, so this comes out to about $728 in total. Uh, some of this actually ended up, you know, a lot of this actually, uh, or actually some uh, three aired bases, which I happen to have laying around, um, and you know, obviously, I already had the the the, the eidolons and so on. But um, yeah, you know, if you think about, it, hey, you know, if the total uh, total cost of all of these four decks, if you buy unique copies of each card for the decks, that would be, you know, seven twenty eight dollars total. Um, if I can get it, I was able to get it down to three thirty six, so that's less than half, and I can get all of these cards to fit into. I was able to find a deck box that holds one hundred and fifty cards. Um, you know, so you know, just a single deck box to hold four four decks, right? You know, the idea would be, you know, in, in the future, if I go to a Magic Fest, you know, I'm hoping to go to Magic 30 in Vegas later this year. Um, still waiting on the details as of this episode. You know, I could sign up for any side event that happened to be open. Hey, there's a legacy event firing off in five minutes. Sure, I'll sign up for that. Pioneer one, Popper, Modern. Sure, I'll sign up for any of those, right? Um and again, right, I could make this deck even cheaper, right? This is be a kind of like something you could give or gift to a, a, a aspiring burn player for them to get started, right? 
Now, again, obviously these are not the pure stocklets, right? I had to, in Pioneer in particular, but also uh, Popper, and especially in the sideboard, have cards that are played only in their formats, right? Um, and, you know, I guess though for sideboard specifically, the idea of, hey, the, ide the ideal sideboard is one you tune specifically for your meta. If you I go into a blind event, right, just having some random selection of sideboard cards I think would be good enough, right? Now, I gotta give a shout out first and foremost to the folks over on the R Lava Spike subreddit, which is the main subreddit for the Burn Enthusiast uh, of NTG. Over there, you know, they have, you know, monthly summaries of, or maybe weekly, I forget. They have regular summaries of different Burn decks that usually on Magic Online do really well, maybe getting 5-0 and such, right? Um, this is where I pull a lot of the inspiration from my list from, and also NTG Goldfish. Um, and so, and people who commented on a post I kind of did exploring this topic gave me a lot of feedback on, like, what things were, you know, Obviously, the optimal verse, but what would be a, sub, a acceptable substitute uh, for for in exchange? So, you know, when I'm building these decks, what I'm looking for is to make that uh, pick cards that appear one in ideally close to as four of as a uh, four of as possible, um, two that appear uh, in as many formats as possible. You know, ideally four, but you know, even three would be better. Um, and and that have the kind of like the again kind of the most power for the value of, of what we're looking to do, right? So you know, let's rather than read just the pure. 142 cards. I'm going to have a list link linked in the episode um, of, 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 of all the cards I'm including, but let's go through each format and see the list that I took inspiration from and how my list ended up differing. So First off, for Legacy, I took my main inspiration from Saffron Olive's uh, uh, Price of Progress Legacy Burn Deck video he played on Budget Magic, which is actually Reddit users Indomitable's uh, Legacy Burn Deck, right? Um, honestly, the main board that I picked for my Legacy deck is pretty much identical, right? The only difference is that instead of uh, strictly um, 18 lands, I ended up running third, uh, three Arid Maces, again, mostly because I already had the Arid Maces and because I'm planning on ran running Arid Maces in Modern, uh, which basically means that uh, in order to and and you know the next so that would, instead of 18 for mountains i ended up going down to 15 mountains which is the same number of mountains uh as um as my uh um as my uh, pop, pop, popper list, right? Um, so, you know, trying to get the minimum number, giving, giving up because of some of the equity of, you know, maybe ruining my price of progress plan, um, you know, or maybe getting blown up by something in Legacy I'm not fully aware of. I'm not an expert in the Legacy format. Um, you know, getting it down so that I could get to the minimum number of mountains I needed to include was definitely, I think, a consideration that I made here. Um, other than that, you know, again, pretty much the stock list, you know, um, you know, the main point of this deck is to play Price of Progress, play Fire Blast, and all the three mana, single mana burn spells, three damage single mana burn spells that you... Uh, so, you know, in the sideboard, you know, I end up running some things, oh, some things do overlap, right? I play uh, two more Rolling Vortex in the sideboard, two Searing Blood, three Smashes Smithereens, and two Dead and Gone. I do play these, mostly the Dead and, and, dead and Gone. Um, I actually included partly also because I could include it in the uh, Popper sideboard. Um, but, you know, the main concession was that he was playing uh, four Leland of the Void and two Red Elemental Blasts. Um, so instead of getting two Red Elemental Blasts, I actually played four Pyro Blasts, which is nearly identical. Um, um, I already had some copies of them. Um, and then I played a two Tormod script uh, instead of the Land of the Void for Graveyard Hate because one, cheaper, uh, and two, I can play Tormod script in other formats as well. 
So, you know, the initial goal of the burn box was to just do uh, three formats, uh, Legacy, Pioneer, and Modern. I didn't really have Popper on my radar. Um, but then, you know, a uh, lot of Spike subreddit user um, uh, GreenBanana17 noted that a lot of the Popper and uh, Legacy lists were actually pretty similar. So he sent over a list from MTG Golfers that I referenced, um, again, linked in the show notes. And yeah, spell-wise, a lot of the same spells. Chain Lightning, Lava Spike, Lightning Bolt, Rift Bolt, Skewer the Critics, and Firebolt all showed up in both lists for mostly similar quantities. Now, the list they say did have four G2 Lava Runners and four Thermal Alchemists. Um, now, this was before the Swift Spirit Downshift, the uh, common and double master. So these were swapped. So I swapped out uh, the Swift, the G2 Lava Runners for uh, the Swift Spears, though um, I ended up keeping two in the sideboard because I'm also running two uh, for my Pioneer list. Um, now, I did keep in the four, and I also added in the four Thermal Alchemists since looking at the gameplay videos I could find, Thermal Alchemist was just a crucial engine for the deck to just get enough damage through. Um, now, you know, I, in terms of other unique spells, you know, Needle Drops is probably the, the most unique card for uh, Popper. Um, but again, looking on the Popper subreddit, it looks like Needle Drop is such a crucial part of, you know, also drawing cards as well, um, which is pretty crucial, crucial to the deck. Um, the main difference I had was that instead of running four Fire Blasts, I ran only three, um, which is the same number I had in Legacy. I didn't want to run an extra Fire Bolt in Popper um, that wasn't running it anywhere else. Um, and then instead of the four Curse of the Pierced Heart, um, I instead ran a split of two Flames rifts and two uh, seal of fires um, because I am running those cards in modern list at, as three of so rather than uh, adding a, another set of cards in, uh, in place of the cards in Curse of the Pierce Heart I'll just recycle cards that I was already using in other lists. Now, again, the sideboard is the biggest shift relative to what the stock list has. You know, the only overlapping cards compared to the stock list is three Smash of Smithereens. Um, you know, I cobbled together two more Ormond's Clips, two Pyroblasts, two Dengons from Legacy. And then f from the popular list, I did include uh, two Martyr of Asses and two Keldeon Murado. Since looking at sideboard guards, those were the most uh, common that I ended up uh, needing to swap in. So I, I figured there was some reason to keep them in. But, you know, for the sake of trying to keep the number of cards down, like I kind of, uh, sacrificed you know, some quantity just to, but still keeping, keeping some, some, some in there for the, for the matchups. So moving on to modern, I referenced a few lists from the MTGO modern list, uh, particularly two lists from users uh, Vian Lee and Nate Bell that both went 5-0. and o. The main difference being that they ran the Searing Bloods versus Pirate Spell Bombs in the sideboard. Now, the core features and spells of, Sp of Swift Spear, Eidolon, Goblin Guide, Skewer, Lava Spike, Lightning Bolt, and Rift Bolt all say the same, um, as well as a place of four Skull Cracks. Um, where I did make a variation is that instead of two Sword Volleys, four Seal of Fires, and four Flame Rifts, so um, that would be 10 cards total. I went with uh, three Searing Blazes um, because I was running uh, the three Fetch Lands um, instead. Um, so I figured that Blazes would probably be better than Sard Volleys. Um, and then also three Eats of Flame Rift and uh, Seal of Fires um, since those already cross over from the popular list. Uh, mana base wise, you know, instead of just uh, 18 mountains, I have nine mountains. The three already mentioned arid maces and the fiery ice that I also happen to have lying around that I'm also running in the legacy list, and also a Sokinzan, um, which I happened to open uh, and was running in Pioneer already. Now, instead of the last four lands being mountains, I ended up putting in four Den of the Bugbeer. Not a usual inclusion for modern, but um, by the advice of Indomitable on the subreddit, that they would be good enough, enough for modern. And so I didn't have to worry about spending $30 for the playset to only play for one format. I could justify it by playing it in two formats. Um, though if you really wanted to keep it budget, you could probably drop the Dens for both, for both uh, modern and uh, pioneer and just go up to 13 mountains. 
Uh, Sideboard-wise, typical stuff, three exquisite firecrafts, three whirling vortex, three searing bloods, uh, two, three smash of smithereens, all staying the same, though uh, searing blood went down to two. Um, and then the original list uh, ran uh, three th blood moons, which I do have one, uh, but I, I found them to be too pricey, and if the goal is to make this cheap enough to, to give to somebody, um, you know, I, I figured rather than buying more, I would just use, split the remaining four slots uh, between two Tormod's Crypt, again, you know, already in one in other formats as Graveyard Hate, and then two Damping Sphere, which the Blood Moons are really meant to counteract uh, against Tron. So, yeah, the final format I added to the burn box was Pioneer. Uh, this one was the trickiest to figure out. First off, you know, I referenced the list from MTG Goldfish where the main card featured was Chandra Dress to Kill. Um, I did open one in packs, uh, but it's over $20 a card, which is a pretty tough sell for me to include since it was only going to be in one format. I wanted to keep this as budget as possible. So at least would say Idol of the Great Revels, you know, that plays in three of the four formats, and at least, again, for me, I already had copies of them. So, you know, this is a lot of cards, you know, a lot of the cards are just Bone Quester Giant, Soul Scar Mage, Goblin Chain Whirler, Play With Fire, Commando Faces Kakazan, Wild Slash, Spikefield Hazard, Lightning Strike. Those are all only in Pioneer, not to mention the sideboard, which is really Pioneer specific. And then, you know, looking at this, this list now, um, it actually changed since the list I initially referenced. They've added in, you know, Torbrands and Embercleaves as well. Um, and, you know, Annexes, Castle Embrets, Burning Free Emissaries, Curry Zevs, which is very similar to the list I'm actually playing on Explorer right now. So, you know, I couldn't include all of these cards if I, to go with the design goals of this particular burn box. Now, the biggest one, obviously, being Chandra. You know, she added the most dollar value to the set. Um, but as far, as far as her gameplay role, right, obviously, pushing a little bit more damage with one of her plus ones and also giving you an extra mana. But also, she can do a little bit of card advantage by exiling the top card and letting you play it this turn. Um, so I figured the good equivalent of that would be a, a playset of Light Up the Stage. Um, now, you know, in addition, again, I'm already running G2 Lava Runner in the sideboard for Popper. Um, I could probably lean into the, the, the Wizard subtype, right? There was a Wizard Burn. I actually referenced some Wizard Burn list decks um, in lieu of the when I realized that Sandra would not be a, a, something I'm able to do. Um, and, you know, I already have four Soul Scar Mages, so why not run four Wizards Lightning? You know, honestly, I think, you know, maybe I could cut out the the, um, the Bone Quester Giant um, and instead run uh, some uh, VS, you know, Pyromancers, um, which would one, lower my curve, and two, increase my Wizard count. Uh, but we'll see. Maybe I'll just end up swapping them out in, any, in either case. Right, it would just be uh, essentially one four cards for another four cards that don't see play in another format. Now, as far as Commander faces Kakazan and play with fires, you know those were pretty. Uh, those were pretty. Um, I think pretty valuable for pioneers. So I ended up keeping those in, and um, yeah, you know I, I I also had three exquisite firecraft. I was already running in the modern sideboard, so I put one in the main, two in the side, and then you know four skull crack. I was running in modern, so I split two main boards, two side, um, and then you know I, I used those to replace the two rampaging ferocidons would have been in the sideboard to fight life gain. The rest of the sideboard was stuff I already covered. You know the smashes the Crypts, the Searing Blood, and the Stamping Spheres. So yeah, that is my modular mono red deck list, uh, my burn box, if you will. Obviously, the hypothetical list again is the seventy-five you can play in every format. Not gonna happen. Right now, the cards that I think are the most obvious targets to be uh, consolidated because they are in only one format are creature are the creatures, uh, Soul Scar Maze, Bone Quester Giant, and Thermal Alchemist, and then the non-creature spells of Price of Progress, Play with Fire, Commando Faces Kakazad. 
Wizard's Lightning and Needle Drop. Um, of those, I think Price of Progress and Needle Drop definitely uh, are the ones that are probably going to stick around for sure. Um, the others, I think if I can find some version, some card that fits in multiple formats, uh, maybe a future print in, at, at Common that can you know sneak into, into Popper, um, you know, maybe that might be able to replace one of these. But you know, right now for lands, um, Ramadan Ruins is only played in Pioneer. Forgotten Caves is only played in uh, in um, in in Popper. Um, and then of course, you know, the Arid Mesas right now again only running them because I have them. Um, I just replace those with with basic mountains. I think uh, otherwise. Um, and then of course, you know, the sideboard is a whole other mess, right? Like I said, uh, with the Pioneer becoming the format du jour for the upcoming regional championships and RCQs, uh, plus in in person events like the Magic Three down the line, you know. The the sideboard will kind of just be, I think, uh, maybe maybe custom tuned, but you know, in any case, I'm excited to break these out for in person events, right? Again, obviously, there are consistent to power. Mostly on Chandra is probably the biggest one, and having a proper sideboard. But still, I think the value of being able to carry four decks in the space of two decks, uh, and you know, for the price of basically one and a half of these decks, is way too much value and way too much efficiency to pass up. Uh, and this is something magic players like. Hey, it's value and efficiency. Before I go, again, once again, I got to shout out and give a thanks to the folks over on the R Lava Spike subreddit who commented on my post, in particular users Indomitable, Deflec, Grixis with two X's, uh, and GreenBanana17, who all provided valuable feedback. I'll be making a post on there with not only pictures of my burn box, but also a link to the Google Sheet with the deck lists. If you have any feedback, please let me know. This is definitely going to be a continual work in progress. So any updates I can make uh, in order with the priority of getting the number of cards down, getting the cost of cards down, and then the viability of the decks up uh, is more than welcome. Uh, in any case, this podcast is coming to its resolution. Let me know what you think of my burn box and how did you do on your store championships? Um, let me know over on Twitter at AetherVortexPod or via email at IntoTheEtherVortex at gmail.com. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, and you can leave, leave a review on any of those podcast services or on Podchaser.com, links in the show notes. My architect with all my deck lists is linked with the username NinjaBoy, boy with an I. The intimate outro music is by Kevin MacLeod at Incompetent.Filmers.io. Editing production by Ninja Boy Media. Until ne- next episode, we'll be talking about Dominator United and the previews from there I want to include in my decks as I continue to update and build new ETH decks. But until then, may your lands be plentiful, but not too plentiful, and I plastic turn. Mm-hmm.